pushing buttons and pulling triggers. This is Gun Funny. Welcome to Gun Funny episode 318. Today I'm going to chat with Yehuda Reamer, aka the Pew Pew Jew, discuss news in the court battle on forced reset triggers, highlight new 22s from Heritage Manufacturing, and talk about schools cracking down on finger guns. I'm your host, Ava Flannell. Clearly, I'm already struggling today to form words. <laughs> Heritage Manufacturing. Yehuda, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? You know what I just did? And I'm I'm like embarrassed to admit this, but like, whatever. It is what it is. But like, I just ate a whole bag of Oreos. I think that's what's wrong with me right now. I'm like in between like probably dying and like sugar high. But yeah, this is why I don't buy sweets because like I have no discipline when it's in my house. And I love Oreos, especially if it's mega stuff. I mean, you're making that sound like it's a bad thing. It, but, I mean, you know, we... I love I, it. I think we've all. I love Oreos. I Oreos all. don't love me. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that goes for everybody. Yeah. But, you know, we all have those days. I think they're like one of the worst cookies that you could eat, too. I think it's like the highest calorie and probably has the most, you know, artificial stuff and whatever. But I guess you only live once and sometimes you live a little shorter when you put away a whole bag of cookies. Uh, nice right. knowing you guys. Nice knowing you. No. <laughs> okay, before we start, so BSF Barrels. I actually just requested one of their bolt carrier groups because I'm finishing a build. Really excited for this. This has been in the works for, well, it's been in the works for a while. I got this set from Blown Deadline. He did like a really cool black camo carbon fiber look with my logo on it. And I'm almost embarrassed to say that I got this in December and I'm just now finally putting it together. But, you know, I'm putting it together. But one thing that I'm missing is the bolt carrier group. And I know I talk about BSF barrels all the time, but they also have the bolt carrier group and they're really nice and they're really affordable. So you can get like the standard like 556 300 blackout as well as like 65 Grendel and 9 millimeter ranging anywhere from like 169 to 189 or you can get ones for AR10 platform that are 189 to 229. But best of all, I mean obviously you're not going to pay full price cuz you'll use the code elite15 so that's E L I T E 15 all one word. That's going to get you 15% off, and that is bsfbarrels.com. Learn the things you never knew on Deconstructing the Industry. Yehuda, so you've been on the show previously, I think once, well, for sure once, I think twice though. This might be your third time, but for anyone who is not familiar, so you kind of, you know, made your way into the industry by creating these children's books, which are genius. I think it's such a great way to educate children about firearms and, you know, the Second Amendment and stuff like that. And then you've, you know, created the name, the Pew Pew Jew, very catchy uh, when people hear it. You know, it's it, it's also has like a humorous tone to it. I'm trying to think, what else do you do? You're also a firearms instructor, right? I do some instructing. Yeah, I, I'm i a big advocate, activist for the Second Amendment, helping people, especially Jews across the country, get familiar with the firearms business, with the industry, helping them choose the right gun for them. Uh, you know, I kind of do a, a little bit of everything in the firearms industry. And, you know, I have my whole website that, is kind of grunt style for Jews. So, so I have a good time with it all. And how many books have you published so far? Uh, I have eight books out with my ninth one scheduled for in about six weeks. Nice. And do you think, is it okay if I tell them something? I'm not going to say what it's about, but I'm just going to say who makes an appearance in it. 
Absolutely. You can tell them that. (laughs) You're like, well, uh, now I guess they know, even if I said no. (laughs) But so I'm really excited. I do make an appearance and Peaches might as well. So stay on the lookout for that. And that launches in, uh, you said six weeks? Yeah, my my goal is to get this new book out by December 1st uh, with enough time for people to get it. For Christmas or or Hanukkah, uh, you know, I want to make sure that it's a very family oriented book ish, mm-hmm. kind of, if yeah. you will. Yeah. But uh, it's a very family oriented book, and, and my goal is to, you know, Christmas morning or one of the nights of Hanukkah, just have you know a dad and their kids, or a mom and their kids, or both parents sitting down with their kids, cuddling on the couch, and just spending time together, having fun with the new book. So. Yeah. Man plan, God laughs, but right now it does look like I am on target for hitting a like December 1st release. Very nice. And for anybody who wants to check out any of your books or um, is there a pre-order available or do they have to wait until it's available to purchase this book? Yeah, there's no pre-order available yet just because I, I'm still yeah. you know, about two, three weeks, about two weeks out from finishing the book completely. So I usually don't do pre-orders on my book, but, you know, I definitely will be promoting the heck out of it. And uh, I look, I really look forward to this one. It's going to be a really fun one. Yeah. And what is your website just for those who want to check it out while we're on topic? Yeah, absolutely. It's thepewpewjew.com. Okay, perfect. All right. So I also, you know, aside from just catching up and letting people know all the good things that you do, uh, especially educating, you know, children, younger adults and stuff, which I think is so necessary, especially to preserve our Second Amendment rights. But I also asked you to come on because everything that's going on with Israel, it's definitely upsetting. I know it's upsetting for you. We talked a few days ago, you called me and, and I was just like, can you believe what's going on? And just the amount of hatred that we're seeing on social media. And I mean, I guess the media, but like, I'm actually surprised that it's more just like, if you read the comment section, how many people are just like hating on Jews. And for anybody who doesn't know, so obviously Yehuda's Jewish. I'm technically Jewish. You know, both my parents are Jewish and, you know, I have quite the lineage uh, going back, you know, to Judaism. I'm not really a practicing Jew, but, you know, I, I have respect for a lot of religions. I just, I personally just think it's not that I don't believe in God. I do. I just feel like I have my own relationship with God, but to see this, you know, all of this hatred and racism, I mean, just in general, I don't like to see racism, whether it has anything to do with me or somebody that, you know, I don't have ties with. I think it's disgusting. I think it's, you know, it's something that it's hard for me to wrap my mind around how somebody could have so much hatred for a certain race or religion or, you know, somebody that just their existence you have a hatred for and they are not doing anything that harms you. You know, it'd be different to like hate terrorists, you know, because they are causing harm to people. They're killing innocent, you know, children and adults and stuff. But to just hate somebody just based on like their looks or their... I guess their beliefs that aren't hurting people is just really unfathomable. But so if you guys haven't heard, you know, what's going on. So Israel and Palestine are, you know, I guess Israel declared war on, I guess, Hamas, part of Palestine or, you know, the Gaza Strip. I think it was October 7th, uh, militants invaded Israel from the Gaza Strip. And then obviously Israel, um, you know, fought back and now they're under war. And I wanted to have you on just to kind of clarify some things that I'm sure a lot of people have questions about. Like, for example, okay, Hamas, you know, who is it? What is it? I'm sure people are like, where did this, you know, this organization come from? But they've actually been around for a little while now. Yeah. uh, So Hamas is a Sunni Islamist political and military organization. Um, They basically are in the Gaza Strip uh, of in the Palestinian territories in in Israel. Um, They also operate in the West Bank. They started by a guy named, uh, if I remember correctly, Ahmed Yassin. And that was in the, I believe, I, I think it was in the 80s. And then Years and years go by. They we won the stopped. Palestinian election in 2006 and has 
basically been in control ever since. And to my knowledge, so you've lived in Israel before, right? Uh, yeah, I, I spent I spent two years there for schooling, but I was, in essence, was there for two years. So kind of lived there for a little. I went there. I had the opportunity to go uh, in my early 20s. And I have to say, like, there's definitely something magical about that place. Whether you're religious or not, I think once you step foot on the ground, there's just something like you just have this. I don't know. There's like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's pretty amazing. And I got the opportunity to do all kinds of stuff. Like I went to the Dead Sea, which was, I mean, hands down one of, I say maybe top five, top 10 things, like ma- like most amazing things that I've ever got to experience. Just the fact that you're floating like on the sea is just amazing. Rode a camel. I named it Toe. Nobody thought that was funny. I was with a bunch of religious people. So, you know. um, oh, I think that's funny. I Yeah, nobody really got the joke. I was kind of surprised, actually. But like it just, you know, I mean, Israel was it was just a very lively place. And depending on where you went in Israel, like, you know, like the city itself, like there's lots of nightclubs and lots of fun. And, you know, it's not just when you think Israel, you think of like just a bunch of people like, you know, like very religious and stuff. And it's, it's actually kind of a big melting pot. Like there's lots of different religions, lots of ethnicities. There was a lot of Palestinians there too. And from my knowledge, uh, just from like some of the research, I mean, Palestinians have been living there for so many years. And so it was weird because like, even though Israel is always in this war against Palestine, there's always like attacks going on. And I remember a few times like on the trip, we had to relocate because there was bombing happening nearby. But even with that said, there's still, you know, a lot of citizens of Israel that are Palestinian. And then like you said, before the show started, there's people, there's Muslim Palestinians that are like governing Israel as well. Yeah, there there are Muslim, the Palestinian Muslims in the Israeli government. They are in the workforce. They are part of the IDF. I mean, they they're all over in Israel. And if somebody's not familiar, what is IDF? Uh, Israeli Defense Forces, the, the basically the army. Yeah. So if you guys didn't know, so everybody has to go through that, correct? Like the minute they they graduate, they essentially. That's what they go through. It's like sort of part of life. Like, do they, is it, they have to serve like two or four years or something? Uh, I don't remember exactly how long they have to serve, but once you turn 18, you graduate high school, there is mandatory uh, military service. Now, there are ways to get around it, but you're still doing national service. So I do know a lot of Orthodox, uh, especially Orthodox Jewish women who graduate, they will go to uh, be sent to America. It's called Shirut Lumi. And they basically come to America for like a two-year stint and work in Jewish schools to promote is you know Israeli pride and teach the students about Israel and, and stuff like that. And that's considered, you know, uh civil service too. Hmm. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Super interesting. And it's just interesting too. So like ever since this happened, even though ultimately you know, all these Israelis, they go through the military and they're trained on guns. When they get out, they actually don't own guns. Like Israel actually has some pretty strict gun laws. And I was reading up on it and I was like, I had no idea. Let's see. I took a screenshot of it. Let me see if I could pull it up real quick. I'm just going to read this. And this came from the Times of Israel. So in Israel, the usual personal weapon allowed are pistols with a limit of 50 rounds of ammunition. To qualify, one must be a certain age, depending on IDF service, live or work in an area that demands extra security, not have a criminal record and pass a training course and background check, among other things. Another requirement is enough Hebrew language proficiency, which I thought was weird, in a way that will allow questioning, understanding instructions, and managing registration as required, according to Qualification Calculator on the website of the National Security Ministry, which manages gun license registration. I also read somewhere that like it was like every six months or something you need to get training. But considering, you know, a lot of people, I guess, do have some training on weapons when they get out of the military, they don't own a firearm. I think it was like 2% of Israelis own a firearm. And then after all of this has unfolded, I also just recently read something where they just armed uh, citizens with 10,000 rifles 
to any of the citizens who are volunteering to help like fight off Hamas. And then they've also they've lifted a lot of the restrictions, too, because a lot of Israelis want to get firearms. And this is just I mean, this is so interesting to me because, you know, I mean, you and I already know this. We've seen this like in 2020, you know, people in 2020 were seeing like what we kind of already knew, which was like nothing's guaranteed. You're never going to be safe. You can't rely on law enforcement or the government to protect you. And I think that, you know, even, you know, what's happening in Israel and everything that happened, I think a lot of people could have potentially protect themselves and maybe prevented a lot of deaths from happening. Yeah, I mean, you can you can always make that case. And, I, and it's, it's a case that I actually believe. I think it's a little too late. I mean, obviously, it's better late than never. But yeah, I mean, they still have they still have some pretty draconian gun laws. Like you still I think they raised the limit from 50 rounds to 100 rounds. So, you know. Someone like you and me will go to the range and we'll drop 300 rounds in, you know, in an hour. Yeah. So the fact that these people are only allowed 100 rounds to secure their life, I, I think is a, a kind of ridiculous. I mean, how is that even enforceable? Are they knocking on doors like, all right, how much ammo do you have in this house? And it's it's 50 rounds per gun that they have. Well, you're only allowed one gun per home, too, meaning. Oh, wow. Let's say I let's say you're a Glock owner and you know you somehow get your hands to try to shoot a a Sig. Mm-hmm. So now you're like, wow, I love the Sig. I want to get rid of my Glock. You have to go turn the gun in. I'm, I'm guessing sell it somehow. Maybe sell it to the range. I don't know how that works. Basically, you have to go turn that gun in. Tell them exactly what gun you want. Wait for the gun to come in. Register that gun. And only then can you take that home. And you're only allowed 50 rounds of ammo. Now, I don't know if it's a gu- one gun per household or one gun per adult per household. That I that I don't know. But yeah, you know, I, it's still pretty draconian. Well, I was going to say, like, what if, you know, husband and wife, one likes Glock, the other one likes Sig. Like, that's going to be tough. And who's going to win that battle? <laughs> right. Uh, right. So I, I, that I just don't know. Yeah. Interesting. I'm going to take a quick break. Talk about gators. If you haven't checked out the blast shield glasses from gators, definitely do so. This is what I've been using at the range now for the last couple of months since they came out. I think they came out like two months ago. They have a fast yet rugged mechanism to swap out the lenses. So like if you want clear, if you're shooting indoors or you want smoke because you're shooting outdoors or they have their like fast photochromic that transition from clear to smoke, which I have, which is nice because then I don't have to like mess with uh, changing them out. But if you do change them out, it's actually really simple. Just flip up that little nose piece, take out the lenses, put the new lenses in, flip that nose piece down and voila. And it also, it's made out of that same like rugged aluminum. So you can form it to your face, but it does take some, you know, like quite a bit of effort. It's not like they're so like easily bendable and stuff because they're not. Uh, So once you kind of bend it to your face, it's not like they're just going to go back to how they were. You can definitely like form it to your face, but after you form it, you know, and it's going to take some effort, it's not going anywhere. They start at 180 and then go up from there. Uh, So definitely check it out. Use the code gators.com forward slash AVA. That's A-V-A. And you're going to get 15% off your entire order if you use that URL. Let's talk about some of the hatred uh, towards Jews. Again, just reading the comments. And I know you shouldn't read the comments, but I always I'm just curious, like what the general public thinks, you know, with a lot of stuff. But I've, you know, a lot of people are saying how like Jews were just as bad as like Hamas because, you know, when the Jews bombed Hamas back and, you know, retaliated, um, that they were also killing people as well. And they actually, so like the Jews uh, went knocking on doors. You said that they have like a way of like texting, like alerting phones. Is it kind of like the alarm thing that we got like on our phone, like some, you know, warning notification where everyone's phone goes off at the same time? Yeah, pretty much. They kind of use like a global positioning software or whatever to hit all the people in in the Gaza Strip and, and the West Bank. So they'll literally say, hey, uh, we're going to be bombing this area in the next 20 minutes if you don't get out your dad. Hmm. So they 
despite what the media and all the haters out there say, they do give everyone a chance to get out, which is crazy because it's also they're get, getting the, the terrorists uh, out. giving the, te- the terrorists a chance to get out. Yeah, I know. That doesn't make any sense. Like the whole idea to fight terrorism is to, you know, kind of use such, I don't want to say such brutality, but use enough force that's either going to make them back down or it's going to kill them. And so that kind of defeats the purpose. But I mean, again, so very humane. Right. Compared to, you know, some of the stuff that we saw and like, I got to say, some of these images are just horrible, like with children getting killed and things that are happening. It's like, it's just, it's so sad to see. And I'm also wondering, I know there's a lot of people in like the United States that like want to get involved and I'm kind of wondering, okay, how can we help? And is the government going to come to Israel's aid? Because I know we've, you know, we've done a lot for them in the past. But then I also wonder how are people going to feel about that? Because I think at this point, we're all kind of, you know, sort of fed up with funding Ukraine. And, you know, so much money has gone to Ukraine. And it's kind of like, I know a lot of people are annoyed about that as well. So now it's like, cool, we're going to aid another country. And I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, there's a, I know a lot of people who, you know, former Israeli defense forces who've picked up and moved, gone to Israel this past week. They feel very passionate about defending their homeland. Yeah. And, uh, you know, to them, it's very important. They see what's going on. Like you said, you know, they, they see the pictures of the bodies of burnt babies and, and char, you know, charred remains of babies, as well as, you know, uh, all the news coming out that babies were decapitated. Yeah. I saw a video today of members of Hamas holding babies that were kidnapped, you know, taken away from their parents who most probably were murdered. Mm-hmm. And it's it's heartbreaking. It, it truly is heartbreaking what we're seeing. Yeah, I know. What kind of comments, like what sort of hate have you seen from like the general public against Jews? Because there's a lot of people and I'm honestly, I'm not against sticking up for Palestinians. Like, I don't think I'm, I think I'm very much in the middle. Like I understand, you know, especially when you're fighting over land and there's wars everywhere. And I mean, I feel like each side, you know, deep down probably has its justifications. So I'm not like, I don't want to sound like this is an entire episode, like dedicated towards sticking up for Israel or the Jews, because I'm sure that there probably are a lot of good Palestinians out there that feel like, you know, things were taken from them and they want what's theirs. But there's just been like so much hate towards Jews. And it's like, I can't help but think like, wow, like we're, you know, to think like, you know, everything that happened with the Holocaust and how disgusting that was. And like to read comments where people are like, yeah, another Holocaust needs to happen. And and just like the way that people are thinking, it's like it's barbaric. Uh, absolutely, I, I've seen some horrific things. Uh, some have even pointed, you know, at myself. Uh, so uh, I've seen some pretty horrific uh, comments. And it's in Judaism, we have a concept called uh, we'll call it Asav Soneus Yaakov, and it basically means uh, Asav, Jacob's brother will always hate Jacob. And we've had this this idea for 3,000 years. Whatever reason God has put that on the Jewish people, it is what it is. But there is something that for 3,000 years, Jews have always been a scapegoat. Mm-hmm. They have always been the ones to be picked on, to be tormented, annihilated, whatever it is. Now, one thing is we're still here and we're not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. You, No matter what you're going to do, we're not going anywhere. So that's one thing. In terms of like the civilian population uh, in the Palestinian territories, you know, obviously, if you're truly a civilian and you hate the terrorism, then I don't want anything to happen to you. The problem is that anytime you see an attack on Israel, you see nearly the entire population cheering in the streets, passing out, you know, special. I don't know, like sweets and like baked goods and, and they're having a party when an Israeli is murdered. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's complicity. That means that you are supporting terrorism. Yeah. If you really wanted, I mean, look, America has given millions, if not uh, probably more 
to the Palestinian Authority, right, over the over the course of the years. Yet, why do you see nothing happening? Why is it still an incredibly poor area? I just saw a video yesterday uh, seeing Hamas members uh, digging up water pipes and converting those to missiles. Wow. So how we say in America that, you know, a lot of it's more of a libertarian thing, right? Like, fight your own battles. That's what we did in 1776. We picked up against a tyrannical government. We fought our own battles. Why isn't the Palestinian community doing that as well? Mm-hmm. Right? Instead of blaming everybody else but the their local government, why are they not fighting their own battle to rid themselves of the terrorism, of the terrorist organization? Now, I get it. It's much easier said than done. I don't live there. And if they raise their voices, they'll probably be killed. I get that. But at some point, you need to hold the the civilian population somewhat responsible for the predicament that they find themselves in. Mm -hmm. And if, if Hamas is using schools and hospitals as staging grounds to shoot missiles, then those become military targets. So while the world is yelling at Israel for being completely, you know, uh, you know, inhumane by blowing up these places or turning off the water in uh, the Palestinian territories right now, well, the Hamas terrorists are the ones doing it. They're literally, I, I, Ava, I will, I will try to find that video and send it to you. They're literally digging up pipes, cutting them, and making those pipes into missiles. Wow. Yeah, Israel's the one that's blamed for all of it. Yeah. So I think that the civilians who are truly innocent in all this, who want to see terrorism, you know, the, the Hamas gone, I mean, they need to do something. Hmm. Yeah, no, I get it. Taking another quick break to talk about Mantis. Do you have any experience with Mantis? I do. I love the, I have the Mantis X and the Blackbeard X and I love it. I was going to actually recommend that because, you know, since all of this has unfolded, you've had a lot of Jewish friends reach out and they now want to get educated on firearms and take up training and stuff like that. And I think that this would be a great way to get somebody's feet wet, I guess, uh, initially, especially if they had like a fear for firearms, which I see often, you know, as a firearms instructor, there's lots of people that just holding a gun just like makes them, you know, just they're like shaking and they're a nervous mess. And then I'm like, okay, let's just take a step back and, you know, let's use Mantis, you know, like some sort of shooting device. And then from there, go up to a 22 and then from there, go up to, you know, a little bit of a larger, maybe center fire round. But yeah, the Blackbeard X, I love it. I actually just recorded a funny video and put it on my Instagram, although it didn't get as much of a reaction as I thought it would, where I'm acting like I'm at a gun store. And I don't necessarily say that this person's my mom, but I'm like, can we get this? And then I throw on a wig and I bring out my Gertrude Jewish New York accent, you know, character. (laughs) And I'm like, no, honey, we got one at home. And then Next thing you see me at home and I'm like, I'm just playing with like a little boar cider. And I'm like, this isn't Mantis. And, you know, kind of like how the we always see those memes where it's like we got one at home and then it goes to, you know, what it is at home. And it's like nowhere close. But, yeah, I don't think that there's anything that even comes close to matching the performance of Mantis. So if you guys want to improve your shooting, definitely check out MantisX.com. And they have a lot of different devices that can aid your shooting. All right. Um, Another thing that I wanted to bring up to you is, did you get to see that video where there was like a pro Hamas rally at the University of Washington and there was Jewish students like pleading with their professors to stop it and they didn't stop it? Yep. And so she's saying our lives are on the line. Yeah. The professor did not care. Yeah. Like these girls were like literally in tears and they're like, please, like they they want to kill us and they didn't stop it. And I'm like. I understand that everybody has, you know, there's the freedom of speech. Everyone has like, you know, our First Amendment. But there needs to be like a line drawn between being a threat or in this case, I'd even say, you know, being somewhat of a a terrorist organization 
I don't know. It's like, it's pretty unfathomable that they would even allow this. And yeah, University of Washington, that's the the school that it, that it took place at. Um, and I'm sure that we're going to see a lot of other stuff like this unfolding on social media. And it's just, again, it's, I think it's just, it's really just scary. It's, I'd like to think, you know, that most people out there are genuinely good people. And that that's why it's like hard for me to wrap my mind around certain evils because I can't even fathom that. Like it just doesn't exist in my mind. And then I think to myself, like, you know, I'm like, maybe most people don't think like that. Maybe this is, you know, I don't know. I think it's scary. And then to think that like, oh, another Holocaust or something like that will never happen. I definitely I'm I'm not like convinced that that's the case. And that's, I mean, that's even more of a reason why I'm like, yeah, I'm glad that I have all the guns that I have and all the ammo that I have. Cause like, I'm not relying on anyone to protect me. No, absolutely. Uh, anyone who says another Holocaust can't happen, I think is just not being realistic. I think yeah, it definitely pretty... can happen. Yeah. You know, I tell a lot of my followers and, and people who ask me this kind of stuff, you know, like I was saying, right, like that uh, the Asaph will always hate Jacob, right, mm-hmm. that I mentioned. And there there will always be anti-Semitism. There's no question about that. Now, but now the real thing is what to do about it. We've had anti-Semitism for 3,000 years. It's not going anywhere. But the only way to slow it down and truly the only way to, like, curb it is to make them more afraid of attacking us than we are of them. And that's where my whole brand began is that you need to educate Jews on their second amendment rights. You need them to start carrying firearms. And I get there's places where they can't, you know, carry firearms. You have New York, California, you know, much harder to get there. However, you can't carry a firearm, carry a knife, You can't mm-hmm. carry a knife, carry a, a baseball bat. I mean, you need to make them more afraid. You need to have them, you know, look at a Jew on the street and think to themselves, is it possible that this person is packing or or armed in a way? Mm-hmm. And that will give people a very quick second thought about whether they're going to go ahead with some sort of attack. Mm-hmm. And that's the only way to slow it down. Basically, you know, prevent yourself from looking like an easy target. Exactly. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's hard to say. I mean, and I also just think education, you know, educating people about I think the thing is, is I think that when it comes to a lot of the unknown people sort of fill in the blanks themselves and they're not I don't think they understand certain religions and what people are about. And I don't know. So I think, you know, same thing with guns, like people that are anti-gun, they fill in the blanks for themselves. They make up these things in their mind that, you know, what guns can and can't do. And then by the time you're done and they just, you know, they describe a gun to you, you're like, well, first of all, that's full auto. And and most of us don't have those, unfortunately. But, you know, so I think it does have to do also just kind of educating the general public, which is why I had you come on. I do really appreciate your time and and talking to us about this. And and hopefully it kind of enlightens people or if nothing else, because I'm definitely not an expert on this. Like, I think people are going to listen to this episode and they're gonna be like, wow, Ava's kind of out of it. <laughs> Um, but if nothing else, hopefully it encourages you to do your own research and educate yourself and then kind of make, you know, your own opinion on that, as opposed to, you know, what people are saying and, and wanting you to believe. All right. So we're going to wrap up this interview and go on with the rest of the show. But again, can you just remind people what your website is? And then I'm assuming they can buy books and stuff on your website, right? Yeah, absolutely. Everything is available on the website, books, t-shirts, Hoodies, mugs, you know, uh, all my stuff. So, um, yeah, a- absolutely. Uh, the website's thepewpewjew.com. All right, perfect. And I'm assuming, do you sell yarmulkes too that say Pew Pew Jew on it? I do. I have two different camo ones, and I actually have a all-black one that says, come and take it with the cannon and a Star of David in Hebrew. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I should get one of those for my dad. <laughs> Uh, yeah, let me, let me know. Get, yeah. Text me your address. I'll, I'll get one out to you or, you know, yeah. get one out to him. Yeah. That's funny. I mean, he doesn't wear yarmulkes, but I've seen him, you know, when we've gone to temple before he's had to put on a yarmulke. Yeah. Kind of funny. 
Um, All right. So moving forward. So IWI. I actually read an article that the 10,000 firearms that they're equipping the civilians with in Israel, it said it was an Israeli manufacturer, and the article alluded to it could possibly be IWI. So again, I'm not making up anything. I'm not saying whether it is or it isn't. It'd be cool if it was, especially like the Carmel. I just got one about a month ago when it came out. That gun shoots amazing. Also, one of my favorite concealed carry guns is the Masada Slim. And that gun, I mean, it shoots, I think, out of all the micro-compact guns, the two that I like the most are the Masada Slim and the P365. And the Masada Slim MSRP is only $450, so you can get it for roughly probably $375 to $400. And it has all these upgrades. So, like, the trigger's really great. Like I said, the recoil's pretty great for the size it's optic ready. It's compatible with like shield optic footprint so that you could use like the Holson 507K, Romeo Zero, and other like slim micro dots. It comes with like two 13 round mags or 10 round mags if you're in restricted states. It also is compatible with Jericho mags too. So if you want to put a bigger mag in there and, you know, just shoot at the range for practice or maybe use it for home defense, you could always switch out the magazines. Yeah, pretty cool gun. So check it out iwi.us. Don't forget to use the code gunfunny15. That gets you 15% off any of their stuff at the web store. And again, iwi.us. Politics. What is going on in the world today? It's political AF. Injunction issued against FRT classification. The forced reset triggers, essentially, do you have any experience with forced reset triggers? It's it's not a binary trigger. It forces the reset forward. So again, with every pull of the trigger, a round comes out, but it's just a little bit quicker. Um, uh, I have. They're pretty awesome. Uh, yeah, I know. I... Definitely. Well, I'm not going to say anything. I'm I'm not. I'm just going to say that <laughs> they're fun. Um, so in the long running fight against the ATF's persecution of force reset triggers, there's some good news. The case National Association for Gun Rights, we'll call NAGR, versus Garland challenges the ATF's assertion that the rare breed FRT-15 trigger is a drop in auto seer. The lawsuit includes NAGR, rare breed triggers, and several private citizens and was filed in the Fifth Circuit Court. ATF has been going door-to-door attempting to confiscate FRTs from customers having obtained their names through dubious, if not illegal, means. According to filings in this case, at least three citizens have been charged with violating the National Firearms Act for having the triggers. District Judge Reed O'Connor ruled that since the ATF has been chomping at the bit, to prosecute those with FRTs and has refused to hold off persecution until the court case is settled, the plaintiffs have a real fear of civil and criminal repercussions. For that reason, he ruled the plaintiffs have standing and would suffer irreparable harm if a preliminary injunction wasn't issued. He also ruled that the plaintiffs are likely to succeed on the merits of the case. He ruled the ATF's expansion of its own authority in dealing with What it is and what isn't a machine gun is arbitrary and capricious. He also ruled that the NFA is clear and the definition is not open to the whims of bureaucrats in the ATF. He went on to define how machine guns expel multiple rounds automatically with a single function of the trigger and how the ATF tried to change single function to single trigger pull in justifying their classification of FRTs. He explained that the FRT-15 does not meet the legal definition of a machine gun as passed by Congress in the NFA and that only Congress has the power to change the law, not the ATF. He referenced the Cargill versus Garland case on bump stocks, where an embank panel of the Fifth Circuit recently ruled that the ATF overstepped their authority when ruling that bump stocks were machine guns. For now, what that means is if you're a member of National Association for Gun Rights and you have an FRT, the ATF is blocked from enforcing their legal FRT rule. That said, I don't think that I would be showing it on social media. I would still probably keep it on the hush hush. I mean, same thing with, uh, you know, braces, right? Like if you're 
a firearms policy coalition member. Um, I think GOA and like a few others. Like if you're a member, you're technically protected from, you know, getting in trouble with it, but it's still like very much a gray area. And I would probably still just keep it like on the hush hush so that you're not having random people show up at your door. Let's see. The DOG will most likely appeal the injunction and ask for a stay on the injunction. So stay tuned. On Friday, NAGR posted that an ATF agent had notified a member that they were going to come confiscate their FRT in defiance of the injunction. So this could definitely get interesting. I'll keep you guys up to date, though, on what happens. Caldwell. Caldwell has really affordable steel targets. One of my favorites is the 33 Pepper Popper from Caldwell. The Pepper Poppers are awesome because they have like a spring-loaded target on a steel base that you can just set out in a field without putting up posts or anything like that. Just literally carry the target out and set it up. The target's a long, skinny silhouette that's popular for three-gun competition, which have you ever done three-gun competition? No, I haven't. I've always wanted to, but a lot of that, a lot of it is um, on Saturday. Yeah. So it always throws a curveball into the equation for me. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I shot at them before. They're definitely a lot of fun. And it's cool because they just go right down the minute that you shoot at it. And they are available for $99. But if you use the code GUNFUNNY10, all one word, you're going to get 10% off. Before we go into Tacti Talk, so I have some exciting news. Sig Sauer is now going to be sponsoring the podcast, and that is going to be taking place next episode. And they're not going to be doing like an ad read that you would typically hear me talk about for some of the other sponsors. Instead, they're going to have their own segment. And this is just going to be based around the rows. So the Sig P365 rows which I think is genius. And it's gotten a lot of women involved, especially women that would typically not pick up a gun or take the time to educate themselves. I love what they're doing. And me being so like passionate about teaching women, like if I leave no other legacy, it would be that I trained a ton of women and educated them and they were able to protect themselves. Um, So I just kind of, you know, I feel like you should definitely align yourself with companies or brands that do stuff that you believe in. I'm going to be moving forward. I'm going to be interviewing a lot of the women that went on the Rose Retreat in Nashville with me. And a lot of these women had never shot before. One person, unfortunately, her son was killed in the line of duty and she had never touched a gun. All of these women have really like really cool stories to share. So I'm hoping to do that. I'm also going to be dissecting the contents of the Rose Box, like everything that comes with it, talking about some of Lena Mikulek's uh, trainings and tips and tricks, and then also upcoming events. So stay tuned for that. But I just want to give you guys a head up as to what's to come. But I'm really excited for this. And hopefully you guys will enjoy it. Tactic Talk. Discussing popular guns and gear. Love it? Hate it? Find out now. Today in Tacti Talk, Heritage joins the lever game. Do you have any Heritage manufacturing guns? No, I don't. When I first started, I needed a single action revolver. And I was like, where do I get a single action revolver? And I'm not a big fan of like, well, I'm not a big fan of revolvers, let alone single action. If you guys aren't familiar with single action, you literally have to pull that hammer back every time you pull the trigger. And but I wanted to educate my students on like the different types of actions. So I was like, I need to just buy one. And luckily, Heritage Manufacturing, I think they had one for like 120 bucks. And I was like, cool, done. And it was interesting, you know, it just looked like an old replica of like, you know, one of the guns from back in the day. But like, I like heritage manufacturing in the sense that they're definitely affordable. And even for the reason that I needed it, you know, just as far as education goes, or if you were teaching somebody, I guess, you know, because you can only shoot one round at a time, it would be good. I mean, if you were teaching a kid how to shoot a pistol for the first time. But anyway, so Heritage Manufacturing from Georgia, they just expanded their lineup to include lever actions. 
Heritage has been around since 1992 and is known for their 22 caliber single action revolvers. They made the Rough Rider, which is what I think I had, the Barkeep and Rancher carbine revolvers and tons of variations, including different finishes, wood, barrel, and lengths. Their new Settler series are two fed 22 lever actions, which I actually just shot a 22 lever action at TriggerCon. And I'm not the biggest fan of lever action, but it was kind of fun to just shoot the 22. But like, you just can't shoot it fast. But I guess there's a way like if you, you know, you could use your right hand to my camera guy was showing me how to do it. But like basically, you know, eject the round, load the next one and shoot it a little bit quicker. So maybe I'll get one and just kind of work on that because I think it'd be kind of cool. But anyway, so like the revolvers and the company name, they've designed to reproduce firearms from the American heritage with an affordable, easy to shoot design. They're all chambered in 22 LR, but judging by their 22 LR or 22 WMR options, it's possible that we might be seeing 22 mag versions later. The Settler series is kicking off with three different versions, the Mare's Leg, Compact and Rifle. The mare's leg, if you're not familiar with it, is a pistol where a lever action rifle is cut off behind the lever to remove the stock and shorten the barrel. It was made popular by, I guess, Steve McQueen's character on the series, Wanted Dead or Alive. The original prop was actually an SBR, but this one is done so that it's classified as a pistol. As a 12.5 inch barrel, overall length of 23.25 inches and weighs about four and a half pounds. Sights are standard buckhorn sights like you would expect on a period lever action. The Settler Compact is mostly the same gun without cutting down the barrel and stock, a 16-inch barrel, and overall it's about 32 inches, 5 pounds. It also has a standard-style lever loop, and then the full-size Settler rifle is also very similar, but with a 20-inch barrel, and these range anywhere from 474 to 499 kind of a good option. A lot of people, it's weird. I've I've noticed lots of people always jumping on very similar like paths. Like for a while, lots of companies were making their own suppressors. Now they've started off making their own bolt action guns. And now we've been seeing a lot of lever actions. It's kind of interesting, right? It's like, you wonder if like all these, you know, designers like get in a room and they're like, all right, what are we going to start making? And then they go back to their manufacturers and like... I mean, isn't it kind of weird that they all start coming out with the same stuff like around the same time? Yeah, it's it, but it's like that with anything, right? You get something hot on the mar- any market, and a million companies will just jump on the bandwagon, and then you know, kind of fades away. Yeah, that's true. Smith and Wesson, though, one thing that I'm actually surprised that other people haven't jumped on the bandwagon with is the Smith and Wesson Easy. If nothing else, like taking that design and maybe improved upon it, because, you know, I think it only holds like seven or eight rounds, depending on the caliber. But the use of ease of that gun is phenomenal. And I mean, that was kind of a game changer for a lot of people. I'm surprised that like other companies haven't come out with guns that were just like easy to rack the slide, the little tabs on the magazine, easy to load, you know, like that one actually does surprise me. Whereas like, when SIG launched the P365, I mean, think about how many different iterations came from different manufacturers that were trying to, you know, kind of copy that design. Yeah. Like, yeah, like I said, it, it, it comes with it, anytime something new comes out within like six months, you just begin to see, yeah. you know, copycat guns. Now, I mean, not, not necessarily copyright infringement, just, yeah, just similar, similar styles. Yeah. So... Hmm. Well, if you guys are looking for an easy to use gun, definitely check out the Easy series. Uh, comes in 380, 9mm, and 30 super carry. And you could check that out at smith-wesson.com. Stupid, funny, cool, interesting, awesome, as f- Never mind. AF. School cracks down on finger guns. Well, actually, okay, before I even talk about this, IDPA. I used to do that like when I first started and in IDPA, they're like kind of strict little. I mean, I get like there's the, you know, being safe and then there's just being kind of like, eh, you know, like it turned me off. Like even as far as like where your, you know, your holster has to go on your belt and it has to be like behind your hip and it has to be covered up and it's just weird. But 
I remember this person that I was with, uh, we were about to do an IDPA run and my friend, he was like practicing like, okay, how am I going to do this stage? And he used a finger gun and the RSO was like, no finger guns allowed. And I'm like, oh, okay. But it put that back in my pocket. <laughs> like it was just kind of ridiculous. Anyways, last month, a simple game of cops and robbers turned six-year-old JB Belcher's world upside down. He was playing with a friend at Bagley Elementary School in Alabama last month when he made a finger gun. The school responded by interrogating him as if he had made violent, credible threats against someone. Because he also said bang, bang, the school said it constitutes as a class three infraction, according to their handbook, which is a threat to kill, maim or inflict serious harm, a threat to inflict harm involving the use of any weapon, explosive, firearm, etc., they forced him to sign a class three infraction form, which is crazy that they would have forced like a six year old to do this. The school then proceeded to try and expel the boy. The father threatened to sue and the school has backed down to a class two infraction, which is still completely absurd because this will actually still go on his school record and is considered the same as like a violent crime. And that doesn't sound so bad when you're like, yeah, the kid's like in elementary school. But like nowadays, depending on where you are. A lot of this stuff, like if you want to transfer schools or getting into a better school, like it's no longer like getting into a college, you know, like a lot of these schools, they pick and choose who they allow in their school and like they'll look at your record. The same school last year charged another six-year-old boy with a class three infraction for a water gun. They did not back down on that one and it's still on the boy's record. This boy's family is hoping that the school will do the right thing on this without requiring legal battle. And the boy said that he really likes the school and he's had zero problems with anyone before this incident. I don't know. Pretty crazy. That's stupid. I don't know. Is there anything? Cause you have, you have quite a few kids. Are they in elementary school? Yeah, they are. They are there. Cause I, I've met them, right? Like in Texas, you have a daughter that's what, like 10. So I have a, I, I just about, I have a, I have a 14 year old son a 11-year-old girl and then a 7-year-old boy and a 2-year-old boy. So, have you and read anything like this like in in like the book of conduct or anything like that? No. Uh thank God no, but also, you know, when I go to back to school night, I always inform the teacher. I'm like, "Hey, you know, I'm so and so's parent. Just wanted to let you know that I work in the firearms industry. I'm constantly around firearms. So are my kids. They're well-trained. They understand. But, you know, if they end up, if you ask them to do a project and they're writing about something gun-related, it's because this is what they know. And most of the time, I, I haven't, actually, all the time, it's never been an issue where a teacher called me and like, oh, you know, your your child made a uh, drew a picture of uh him shooting a gun. I'm like, well, yeah, that's, a, he's at the range. You can see there's the target. <laughs> that's never, I mean, I, I, I've had some teachers text me saying who, who, who have known me for years already. And I never necessarily my kid's teacher, but you know, they'll see the artwork that my kid does and they take a picture like, Oh, that has to be a Reamer kid. So, you know, I, uh, yeah. Um, and all, all the faculty, I mean, majority of the faculty, including the principal of the, my kids go to two different schools because I have a ninth grader, a freshman in high school now. So uh, everyone knows what I do for a living and that no one, you know, is surprised. Yeah. I mean, you also live in Texas too, although I'm surprised because this took right. place in Alabama and I'm like, Alabama is pretty gun friendly. It's like, I don't know, kind of weird. Yeah. I don't know. It is crazy nowadays. I do not have kids and I don't know. It'd be interesting, but I guess I'd probably take the same approach as you. If I did have a child, I'd be like, Hey, heads up. You know, if it's crazy though, that we have to like inform the teacher, like as if we're just like doing something that's cause it's just so political, you know? I don't no, know. absolutely. Um, and, and it's crazy, but, um, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, it it is what it is, but I I mean it, we just live in a stupid world. Yeah, I know. All right, Franklin Armory. Mm-hmm. 
Well, guys, last episode, I said that there was good news. They're releasing something really cool. Well, it's finally come out. It is finally here. It is the binary trigger or binary system for the Glock 17. The reason why I said it's not just a trigger, it's the trigger, but it also comes with a different slide because you also need that selector mechanism and there's no selector on a regular slide. And the selector is either if you want to shoot in binary mode or semi-auto, because as always, if you, let's say, you know, you'd put this, you install this on your Glock 17, you're like, well, now I only have the option of shooting binary. You actually don't. You still have the option if you want to shoot in semi-auto or binary, which is the flip of the switch. And then let's say you're shooting in binary mode. You decide that you want to cancel the last shot. So you pull the trigger around shoots out. But then when you let go of the trigger around the shootout, in order to avoid that, you would just put it on semi-auto and it would cancel that round from coming out. But I have one. I did my review. It comes out today, actually. Let's see. So today is the 16th. So today, Franklin Armory just released it. They did send me this a few weeks ago and I've been playing around with it. And my review also comes out today. So if you guys are listening, head on over to YouTube just uh, youtube.com forward slash Ava Flannell, A-V-A-F-S-N Frank, L-A-N-E-L-L, and check out my review of it. In the meantime, if you want to buy anything, head on over to franklinarmory.com, use the code Ava, that's A-V-A, and you're going to get 10% off. All right, iTunes reviews. Two people left a review. Rob from Florida. Uh-oh, Florida man, watch out. Title, great podcast, five stars, one of the best two-way podcasts out there. And then Love and Frustration titled, okay, I done goofed, five stars, all caps. This is a five-star review, Apple. Give Apple all the stars. And that's AK All Day. So I'm laughing because AK All Day left a review for Pew Pew Panel and then also for Gun Funny. And he left four stars on both of them. And I was like, dude, really? Like four stars? Like who leaves four stars? And sure enough, he said it was an accident. So we changed it to five stars. So I do appreciate that. But Yehuda, out of the first or the second review, who should be a lucky winner? Oh, God. Uh, I think number two. All right. So love and frustration. Go ahead and message me. And now it's time to wrap up. Also, heads up, guys. So Pew Pew panel, if you do listen to that podcast, some things are changing, but I think for the better. Yeah, it's still going to be around, but things are changing up. So be on the lookout for that. If you haven't checked out the podcast, though, just search Pew Pew Panel on YouTube and you could watch it there. And don't forget to subscribe. Leave a review there as well on iTunes. I'd greatly appreciate it. And then if you really enjoy this show, consider becoming a Patreon. You'll get access to our patron-only Facebook group, which is a lot of fun. I actually just posted a really funny picture of peaches wearing a wig and she looks like joe dirt (laughs) and i joked i was like yeah she's gonna be joe dirt for halloween (laughs) it's actually supposed to be a lion's mane but it just it looks like a horrible wig it's so bad i can't unsee it (laughs) anyways yeah so consider becoming a patreon just go to gunfunny.com click on the support the show link or there's a link in the show notes and then also i want to thank the 25 dollar patreons who are corbin bonafide Sake Holsters, Daniel Treadwell, Keith Callamore, Daniel Lee, Nick Theodosian, Tristan Smith, Melissa Ridings, and William Knave. And then, of course, King of the Patreon, Jon Snow. And Yehuda, thank you so much for joining me, especially doing this like last minute when I just had this crazy hair up my butt and I just want to throw it together. So I do really appreciate you always being available and also just being a really good friend and including me in your new book. That's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really excited to see that. Yeah, I, I and I appreciate you not charging me to use your likeness. That uh, big bo- <laughs> big bonus on your part. But no, I'm I'm really excited. You know, you you have been very good to me since I entered the industry. Since our our first podcast years ago, when you when uh, I don't know if you remember it, but I do. I do uh, remember it. You you and Sh- you and Sean and you had me over, and both of you guys didn't know what to expect having this like little orthodox jewish kid and then you kind you guys were like what the hell just happened like where did this all come from yeah and ever since that ever since then you've just been amazing to me so you know i have nothing but gratitude oh thank you i appreciate that all right tell people once again what is your website uh my website's the pew pew jew 
And then and you can get all my books and fun t-shirts and stuff like that. And then you're also really active on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and is all just the Pew Pew Jew? Uh, yep, at the Pew Pew Jew. Okay. All right, perfect. So guys, go give Yehuda a follow. And on that note, I am out of here and I will talk to you guys next week. Yehuda, thanks again. And I'll talk to you later as well. Awesome. Want to send feedback? Tell us about a company or anything else. Go to gunfunny.com forward slash contact.